On today's episode of Still Processing, a 76ers podcast, Justin and I recap the NBA trade deadline. Big moves that Philadelphia did make, welcoming in a longtime mock trade partner for the Philadelphia 76ers and taking a look at what Daryl Morey did at the deadline and giving our honest, brutal takes on it. All that and more on today's episode of Still Processing, a 76ers podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Still Processing, a 76ers podcast. We did it. Uh, we made it through the NBA trade deadline. And uh, are, are we better for it? We're, we're going to talk about it. So uh, I'm Zach Chumalella, your host, obviously, along with my co-host, Stunning, is Mr. Justin Crosby. Justin, trade deadline aside, how you doing? I mean, I don't know if I can even answer that without talking about the trade deadline. I mean, yeah, woof. Yeah, not all wolf, no, but some wolf. wolf not all wolf, but like a little wolf, like a little one, just a little bit. Uh, yeah, no, it uh was not the biggest of trade deadlines in NBA history, but there were right. plenty of moves to go around, little tiny baby moves throughout, but ones that still left a lasting impression for uh fans of the Philadelphia 76ers, but. Uh, taking a look kind of overall at the general moves made throughout the day, Justin, what was one of the many trades? And we'll kind of go over a brief list after we hit these kind of marquee ones. What was one across the league that really stood out to you as, uh, you know, oh, somebody did, did really did something right here? All right. So, I mean, the obvious is the Knicks, right? Um, we we could talk about that, but I mean, I, I'll save that for you for your uh, beautiful analysis um, about the Knicks. But randomly, I don't know. Like, I feel like if he can stay on the court, I like Gordon Hayward to to OKC. I feel like it was a very low key move. They gave up one of their twenty million and a half first round picks, which is probably turned out to be a fake first round pick. And Gordon Hayward will slot in nicely as a kind of ball handler. He can shoot. He can defend. Um, and he fits in nicely with a like real veteran presence on a young team that's trying to go on a, a run this year, right? But all that is to say that Gordon Hayward has to actually play for this to uh, work out. And he doesn't play basketball that often anymore. So... Hopefully he gets healthy. I feel like he's out right now, or he might be coming back from injury right now, or maybe he may be just being held out until he get traded. But um, if he can get healthy, um, then I honestly like the move. I really do. Now, who's to say how many minutes he's going to get, but he should slide in very nicely, in my humble opinion, be playing over a guy like Josh Giddy. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, he uh, kind of in a just constant trend. It's almost like existence and uh, and injury, unfortunately, are kind of synonymous with Gordon Hayward. He's got a calf issue right now. Uh, Hopefully he's he's back to feeling better because Gordon Hayward with this Thunder team on a playoff run. That's honestly one of the most shocking and surprising storylines that's going to be in the Western Conference playoffs uh this year for for uh for the nba so uh definitely good value uh i kind of like trey man but they really didn't need him he was pretty redundant in what they had uh the draft compensation i don't know if what specifically it was has come out yet uh it, it does not sound overly concerning uh, based on the the lack of clarity. I mean, it's not like we're just going to all of a sudden find out that this is an attractive first-round pick that they've dealt for Gordon Hayward, even though the, the Hornets at one point did want a first for Hayward, which is, I mean, I, I think you could probably do like a Fugazi first for Gordon Hayward 
especially if you're moving off some salary. But uh, I, I don't know that his play has exactly warranted that. But with this Oklahoma City team, I think he's a great fit. You know, he's somebody who, of course, can uh, operate on the perimeter. He's got a bit of that Tobias Harris mid-range game to him as well. Uh, and I like the veteran uh, fit as well. Uh, and and as somebody said on Twitter, I'd, I'd give credit if I remembered who it was. Uh, he, he's perfect for Oklahoma City. Now we just got to find out if he's perfect for the Thunder. So, uh, really interesting deal. That the one that, and obviously uh, we'll we'll talk about New York in a second because that's the one that I think is kind of made waves across the league. But uh, there there was a couple different storylines that I thought were pretty interesting. But the things that the Dallas Mavericks did, I think, are getting a little bit understated, right? Uh, bringing in Daniel Gafford and bringing in uh, PJ Washington, I think these are great moves for Dallas. Giving up Grant Williams, Williams has not had a, a great year since signing that three-year contract over the summer with uh, with Dallas. Technically, it was a was it a sign and trade? Or who even cares? But in any case, uh, since coming to Dallas, <laughs> there's a lot of information coming in today. Give me a break. Uh, since coming to Dallas, Grant Williams hasn't really lived up to the expectations. He hasn't really looked like the player that he was at times in Boston. Uh, so moving on from him, I get it after the year he's had. I'm a little bit worried, you know, going forward, a 2027 pick when Luka Doncic, in my opinion, is kind of a flight risk every year uh, until Dallas actually gives him some true support, which is what they tried to do in this case. Uh, I think there's a little bit of risk in that, but P.J. Washington is a contributing player. He is someone who uh, is going to be around for a little bit after the deal that he signed with Washington in the offseason. And between him and Gafford, it, it just even more so, along with Derek Lively the second, it just shores up that uh, that front court for, for Dallas even more. I wish that Washington was a bit better of a shooter. Maybe playing with Luka Doncic, he will be. He had LaMelo, obviously, in Charlotte. But again, you know, we've talked about injuries with their former teammate now, Gordon Hayward. Uh, maybe with a bit more of a consistent playmaker and someone, mm-hmm. honestly, at this stage is, is still, frankly, better. I think that when we're talking about pure playmaking, LaMelo's ceiling's higher, but just Luka's so consistently dominant as a playmaker. Uh, and, he, and he opens up the floor for his, his teammates so much better than LaMelo does. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say the type of wide open shots that yeah pj washington is going to get is going to be beyond what he's ever experienced in charlotte like he's going to be sitting in the corner thinking like there's no way i'm getting this ball and that joint that thing is going to zip past somebody's <laughs> head and he's going to be sitting there so he he's going to get a lot more open looks. I, I expect For him sure. to play well in dallas yeah, uh, he's probably just going to be drooling on the the perimeter a little bit because he, yeah, he is going to get some of those really good looks. But uh, some of the other notable moves, and you know, we'll kind of work in in somewhat of a, a chronological order here and kind of hit on them bit by bit. But obviously, coming into the day, there was uh, the trade between the Boston Celtics, the Memphis Grizzlies, Lamar Stevens, two second round picks going to Memphis in exchange for Xavier Tillman. Uh, Xavier Tillman is a very underrated player in the NBA. Now, you look at him statistically, if you're a box score watcher, you're probably not going to be too impressed. But you watch the guy play, and the the way that he can clamp down defensively, and then on top of that, uh, his his subtle ability as a facilitating big man, uh, this is a guy who's going to be very versatile for Boston in the playoffs, considering some of their other additions that they added at the deadline, which we will get to. Uh, Boston is, is already a top three defensive team in the NBA. They're gearing up to be one of the top defensive teams in the playoffs. And so, uh, it's, it's going to be real, <laughs> real tricky to, uh, to topple them, except for their usual Boston antics. We'll see what happens come playoff time, but all seems good on the Xavier Tillman trade. Uh, another minor trade coming into the day, Simone Fontecchio going from the Utah jazz to the Detroit Pistons. To and I gotta figure out a name that's not as on the nose as the Mario brothers, but we have two of the best Italian players, two of the only Italian players 
in the NBA playing for the Detroit Pistons now. And I really want to see what Simone Fatecchio and Danilo Gallinari are going to be able to do together. They've had no shooting alongside Cade Cunningham for almost his entire career. And not they haven't brought in great shooters, or rather I should say they haven't brought in great NBA players, but they brought in people whose specialty is to shoot. And so that is something between Gallinari, Fontecchio, Mike Muscala, uh, who is at least sounds Italian. Uh, I, I think that it's definitely been a positive development for Detroit, and they're definitely working kind of along the margins on these moves. But with a team that's so kind of far behind the eight ball in terms of being ready to contend, I think that's kind of what you have to do. So interesting there for Detroit. But moving on to the trades from today, and we're going to pause on the Sixers ones because we'll be back there a little bit later on. The full breakdown of the Gordon uh, Hayward trade, it was Gordon Hayward for Davis Bertans, Trey Mann. Justin, you're going to have to help me out on this one. Uh, Vasilije Michik, I believe, and draft compensation. I think that's uh, we've I talked think you about. Thank you. I just want the moral support. That's all I was looking for. So you wait, <laughs> buddy. Thank you. So we talked about it for, for Oklahoma City already. Great fit. Great job there. Uh, as far as Charlotte, just great, just good job getting something, you know, uh, getting draft compensation, getting Michik, who he for so long has been. Uh, a player overseas that se- it felt like he was going to be ready to come over and help a contributor. His first year in the NBA has a bit, been a bit uneven. Part of that is just because Oklahoma City is relatively stacked roster-wise, and so there's just not a lot of room for everybody. That's why we saw this kind of consolidation trade. Uh, but there's potential to not only have him mentor some of the younger guys in Charlotte, which is sorely needed, but on top of that, potentially move him in the future as well. Uh, Trey Mann, again, is a guy that I like. I actually think him coming off the bench behind Lamella Ball is definitely an interesting idea for a team like Charlotte. And then getting draft compensation is a plus. Uh, we're going to move on to <laughs> Justin. What are the Toronto Raptors doing? Like, I have no clue what Masai Ujiri <laughs> is doing. It's like so random, holding people for hostage. Like, yeah. Holding Bruce Brown for hostage, but then giving up OG for a bag of damn chips. Oh, oh, Justin, I got to interrupt you. The Mario brothers have just been split up as Danilo Gallinari is waived. It it did not last long at all in Detroit. That is <laughs> terrible news. news. Terrible news, news. For, for my fellow Italians and for the brand. Uh, of course, this does make him available, and I guess maybe we'll involve him in the conversation uh, when we get to buyout candidates for the Sixers going forward but uh ah, terrible terrible news but you were saying yeah um yeah i just don't know what Masai is doing but Masai traded um for kelly Olenek and um akbaj i'm not even gonna because I, I feel like i know his name when i when i see it but Oche um, akbaji i think i got that one that one i remember from ever since i watched him in kansas i tried very hard at that one and me uh, and <laughs> Who do they they trade? But I know that's what they got. And yeah, Kira Lewis, Otto Porter Jr. Yes, just a bunch and, of uh, nonsense. Um, well, and a first round pick is, is what they is what they moved on from too is a crazy thing. Yeah, so I don't know what he's doing. And I'm like, all right, are you trying to say, okay, we want to have some spacing because we have RJ and well, some shoot, we have RJ, then we have Scotty, who both aren't the best shooters. So let's get like a floor spe- stretching big. Yeah. But then you already well, got he's Boucher. definitely a better fit than Jakob Pertl. You can say For that. Sure. Much. Kelly Olenek is a much better fit in Toronto than Jakob Pertl. And then a job. Oh, see, now with, now that I'm not looking at it, now I'm going to mess it up. See, Agbaji, that's, that's, I got to sign it out. <laughs> Agbaji is, in theory, in theory, uh, a useful three and D player. Like yep. that was the mold, especially the three. Uh, coming out of college, that's what people were expecting, and so perhaps he can still grow into that. He's still a young player, of course. Uh, to give up a first round pick when you're still so far from contention, I mean, I, I literally think Musai just did that to like take options away from other people. Like, that's what I really because it's like, why make that trade? Like, why make the trade? You're giving up a first. Like maybe they decide that they're gonna ex- ex- sign Kelly Olenek in the offseason, and 
Um, Akbaji, he he should be a good young piece to add to the young quarter they're growing. But it's like, I don't know. I don't know what, what the guy over there is doing. Like, so yeah, he the, gets so much credit. He gets so yeah. much credit for just taking Kawhi. Kawhi didn't even want to go there. And then Kawhi paid 50 games, and then yeah. they got hot and won a championship. And he just gets this, like, this ever-all, be-all. When before that, he never did anything. I mean, of course, the Rosen was there, uh, was drafted there, got Lowry. But I'm like, if you look at his other team, don't get me started. And then was he really that good in Denver either? Oh, never mind. I'm good on the sofa. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> he wasn't well, that good look, in Denver either. There, his reputation is is certainly changing across the league. Uh, you know, he, he's I think gone from one of the more, most shrewd uh, front office people to work with to flat out just one of the most annoying flat front office people to work with in some of these deals. Uh, but the the trade today. Uh, and there's there's two of them from Toronto. We're gonna talk about the second one just in just a moment here. Uh, the pick that they gave up, it's it's going to be Oklahoma City's. So there's some, you know, it could be Oklahoma City or Houston or the Clippers. Actually, on second thought, it could be the Clippers instead. But either way, uh, it's the worst of all those picks, right? So right now, that's projected to be Oklahoma City's pick. That's the 28th pick in the draft, and. By the end of it, between uh, OKC and the Clippers, who are the first and third teams in the West, uh, you're, you're looking at potentially 29 or 30, even depending on who wins. The, you know, it's just this is this is basically at this point we call it almost a second round pick, right? Uh, a high value second round pick, whatever. Now you get that that extra year option, which is sometimes a blessing, sometimes a curse. Uh, there is not as much value as if they gave up obviously uh this is not some lottery pick like we don't want to put on airs and think that it's something like that but are you a team that's in any position to give up first round picks like if anything try and move that into the future uh for for a team like toronto that way you can possibly rope these into landing another star in toronto alongside scotty barnes and if they believe that to be R.J. Barrett, then Barrett and uh, Emmanuel quickly, who they're certainly going to re-sign this offseason. But to to bring in a Linux who's on an expiring deal and a Agbaji who is he a part of the future? Hasn't again hasn't really lived up to it so far. It's just it's questionable at best. And then that's only kind of doubled down when you look a little bit later on, which so that the. the most, how do I put this? The oddest trade of the day was the second trade by the Toronto Raptors. And that was moving Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young for Spencer Didwitty. The only thing that works out well or, or that stands out in this case for Toronto is freeing up that second year of Schroeder's salary. Outside of that, there's, you know, we have no picks involved. They waived uh, or or they're going to buy out Spencer Dinwiddie right away effectively. There's just not any other value other than getting off that year. And, and that is valuable in a sense, but is Toronto ready to be a, a major player next season? Uh, I'm, I'm just not sure that, that they are. I mean, what did you think about the Dinwiddie trade? I thought of two things. I thought it was when it's like when you playing 2K, you simulate the season, and the computers like the two computer teams trade two players. Like that's what it felt like. And I'm just like, all right, like it is what it is. Not needle moving, like you said, getting off that second deal. Schroeder knew that Spencer Dinwiddie wouldn't fit and. Toronto because they had quickly and Scotty who both need the ball really right and they're getting their own little two men together he wasn't going to do anything there so no wonder why he got waived and will be on his free his buyout free agency tour so we'll see how it goes and then Thad Young um he was waived in Brooklyn so 
let's see what Thad Young does. I mean, yeah. What is Thad Young Phoenix, having a tank? Phoenix is is the uh, the team that's been coming out early for Thad Young going to team up with KD. Yeah, so I'm like, I was looking at Thad Young's stats. He's not having a bad like a terrible year, but who knows what the hell the Sixers are doing? But um, well, we'll we'll get to that a um, little bit later on. But yeah, so I, I thought it was I thought it was just a, a regular random trade, just to shake guys out of places that they don't want to really be anymore. Yeah, well, so Toronto they they do have projected cap space next year, but the the confusing part is the fact that they kept Bruce Brown. So Bruce Brown thing. has, yeah, which is another question mark. But uh, Bruce Brown has uh, is a club option for twenty three million next year, so they can decline that, and then they don't owe Bruce Brown any of that money. And the uh, I think they're around fifty five thousand in projected cap space next season, which is great. Except that there are very few free agents that are going to supposedly be hitting the open market. They do have to recommit money to Emmanuel quickly. So where exactly is this money going? Are they going to be utilizing it to uh, trade assets to acquire a star into open cap space? Well, you just traded away a first round pick. So that's not necessarily helpful for that cause. So that's, that just goes into the whole equation of I'm not quite sure what Toronto is really trying to accomplish at the end of the day. Uh, but again, you know, they did free up some extra money next year. So they they get some points for that. I just, I don't love how they've approached any of the trades they've made from the, the, the OG and an OB actually might be their best one. Uh, but the Pascal Siakam trade, you know, they would have been better off moving last year. What whatever they're you know trying to do here, if they must have a plan in mind, but I I can't read those tea leaves. I'll tell you that right now. But uh, before we get to Philadelphia, there is I think there's just one more trade, the Phoenix trade. Can you think of another? And and we're not talking about like Doug McDermott to you know to Indiana. That's technically part of a Sixers trade. Uh, you know, so we'll get back to that. But oh oh um, Dallas, yeah, let's just talk about Dallas and New York real quick. So uh, super quick because we're already kind of dwelling on this for a little bit, but uh, I guess we'll mostly focus on New York since I talked about Dallas a good bit. Yeah. One of the the most, I guess, closest that we came to a blockbuster trade today was the New York Knicks acquiring Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks from the Detroit Pistons. So giving up Ryan Archidiacono, breaking up the Villanova guys, which is crazy to me, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, Quentin Grimes and two second round picks, one in 28, one in 29. Uh, this is a, hey, we're serious about this season kind of move. There are plenty of flaws with Bojan and Alec. Uh, both are not great defenders. Playing alongside the rest of that Knicks team, you can kind of afford to have a one-way sharpshooter. So it's uh, it, it's a move that, I think the fit is clear and perfect for for New York. Uh, Philadelphia met multiple reports that suggested that that Philadelphia was in conversation with Detroit about both Bojan and Burks, but in the end, Detroit preferred the package that had Quentin Grimes in it. That's more so what they were looking for. So Philadelphia had to move elsewhere. But Justin, how do you feel about the Knicks now that they have Bojan and Burks? So they did get better. Um, Knicks are trying to make a run at it this year, or honestly make a run at it because I, I don't know if they can win a championship, but they're one they want to be serious, right? They want to be considered real live contenders for the championship championship in the Eastern Conference. Specifically before MB's injury, everybody just talked about Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly. Now that Embiid's injured, clearly the Sixers are out of it until Embiid comes back and we know what his health level is. But right now, the Knicks have clearly taken a step into that conversation. But it sounds like heat, what I'm about to say, and I'm I'm really not heating. Like, it's really good moves. They really got better. Really helps them out. Gives them optionality as they go through the rest of the season matchup-wise. Um, you know, whether they want to go with offensive units, defensive units, and stuff like that. 
But I just feel like, like all those guys just can't play at once. And Julius Randle still is going to come back and going to play heavy minutes. So is OG. So, like, yeah, this works now, but when it comes to the playoffs, those guys might not be playing at all, period. So how much impact are we really going to make? Now, we'll see, right? But, um, yeah, that's just kind of how I feel about it. I, I do think they've gotten better right now, and it gives them some options in the playoffs. But we know mm-hmm. Tibbs is going to play his starters, all of his starters, in the playoffs, 38 to 40 minutes a game. Jalen Brunson might not come out the game. Julius Randle might not come out the game in the playoffs. That's just the reality of the fact. OG might not come out the game either, right? Mm-hmm. So those are, I'm just telling y'all the facts. If y'all know Tibbs coaching and his history, that's just how he is. Julius Randle played the whole playoff game last year. So, you know, just, just stating the obvious. So that's why I'm thinking, yeah, they got better, but in the playoffs, will it really matter? We'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. At least it gives them – some guys who can consistently hit those jump shots uh, from deep. Uh, I I agree about maybe Burks not really having much of a role in the playoffs. I do think Bojan's going to have some significant time uh, in the postseason. And kind of looking at what their starting lineup would be uh, projected as. Obviously, you're starting with uh, you know none other than Jalen Brunson. Uh, after that, OG Ananobi who's kind of gone between that two and three spot all the season. Uh, arguably, I think you can then put Boyan at the three, get a little bit of an offensive push into that starting lineup. And then, of course, you go Randall and Mitchell Robinson should be healthy by then. Uh, so as far as that five, I think there is plenty of opportunity for Boyan to play. But he's, of course, going to give plenty of opportunity to guys like uh, DiVincenzo and Hart. Uh, they may only be like seven deep in the playoffs, but I think of those seven, Boyan's definitely going to play a factor. So uh, at, at least Boyan is, is a qual- well, they're both quality additions, I'd say. But for a postseason round, I definitely think that Boyan is a quality addition as well. How far it takes them, I mean, that's that's what we have to see. So, uh, But that is, I think, more prevalent on the play of Jalen Brunson and, more importantly, Julius Randle than it is necessarily the acquisitions that they made at the trade deadline. So, uh, yeah, that pretty much wraps up, uh, you know, Daniel Gafford to the Mavericks was the other pick, uh, the other trade this, uh, this deadline, uh, which honestly it's, it's Gafford is, is interesting. He's actually a surprisingly good role man. And I think that him and Luca is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, he's a shot blocker. He's not a rim protector. If that makes sense. He's, he's not a great defender, uh, but he is someone who I think is definitely going to provide uh, some highlights in Dallas. And and like I kind of stated earlier, just him and Washington together, I think it is going to raise the floor for Dallas, which at this point, unfortunately, seems all that they're trying to do. So uh, that right recaps all of the trade deadline, except for the moves that Philadelphia were a part of. So that brings us now, of course, to Philadelphia's marquee move of the day. Finally. After years of speculation, Buddy Heald is a Philadelphia 76er. Justin, first thing that went through your mind when you saw that trade pop up? About time and what's next? Yeah, I think that, I think that was pretty much the case for everybody. Uh, <laughs> you know, about time, obviously. Uh, talking about Buddy for years and years. I can't tell you how many articles years. I've written. How many Years. articles I've written about speculating, you know, Buddy Heald to the Sixers. Sixers need some shooting. Buddy Heald's a remember, pretty good shooter. Remember when literally Buddy was like, looked like he was like begging Doc to trade for yes. him. Yes. Buddy wanted it. He wanted to come to Philadelphia, you know, and, and now he and now he's finally here. So it's uh it comes when he's in the midst of of quite the down season by his standards, but, uh, you know, there's definitely a strong possibility that he could uh, rebound, especially once Joel Embiid were to return. Uh, he's still shooting 38.5% from three, which, like, if you're having a down year and you're shooting plus 38% from three, it, it could be worse. So the Sixers desperately need shooting. They went out and they got possibly the second greatest uh, three-point shooter 
of all time. And and I say that knowing about Reggie Miller, knowing about Ray Allen, just talking statistically, Buddy Heald, unreal as an NBA three-point shooter. Problem is he doesn't do anything else, but he, he attacks he close shoots out. the three. He he attacks okay, he attacks close out. Sure. Okay. Uh Philadelphia so desperately needs a volume three-point shooter. They got Absolutely. a volume three-point shooter. That's that's honestly, um, we should not complicate it more than that. And they got him for a relatively affordable price. Three second listen. round picks. It's the same price. No, you listen. It's the same price that Phoenix paid for Royce O'Neal. So to at the end of the day, it if you're keeping it that simple, the acquisition of Buddy Heald's not bad at all. All right, what do you got, Justin? All right, I think it was a good acquisition. I only see not bad. It's a, it was a good acquisition. Sure. Um, I think that for the price they paid, there's obviously interest, and this is no sourcing, but there's obviously interest, and um, I feel like them re-signing him at a at a number that's feasible for both sides in the future. I do think that that's why they did this move now, and that's why they felt comfortable giving up three second-round picks. On the buddy specifically, we could talk about his fit and what he's going to do. Maybe I'll get into that now a little bit. First thing he need to, he needs to he needs to do when he gets here, when he puts on his jersey and he steps on that court, minimum 10 threes a game. Minimum 10 threes a game. Minimum. He'll have the opportunity. Minimum 10 threes. Like, if he's not shooting 10 threes a game, like, I'm going to get out of our seat in the media section and I'm going to tap him on the side of the head and be like, bro, I need you to shoot more threes. That's number one. <laughs> I love I love you referring to it as our seat, as, as if we're squeezed onto one. <laughs> our I'm seats. just alternating here and there. Yeah. Also, don't call it our seats after you, they put you in row C and not me, you son of a bitch. I mean, right? I told you why, but, you know. <laughs> We don't, okay, all right, all right. It's all right. So come March, it'll be my time. But uh, listen, buddy, I, I agree. Like, listen, he provides such unreal spacing in an ideal situation. Uh, just the way that he affects the entire flow of the half court offense, he draws so much attention. Uh, and, and I think that's what is really important is that you're going to be relieving some of that off of Tyrese Maxey. Now, it would have been great if you got a really good uh, ball handler and shot creator as well yep. who could take that pressure off of Maxey and give him a little bit of off-ball opportunity. They didn't do that, but those players are going at a premium and really the only ones available are, were they great postseason fits? I mean, you're talking about guys like Monte Morris, Tyus Jones. Uh, Jones especially was at least expensive. And then again, these guys just what, what postseason shelf life do they really have? So, uh, right. to get an elite shooter in Buddy Heald, historically elite shooter in Buddy Heald. Uh, and yes, for three second round picks, it is a good trade, especially if they're able to figure this out in the offseason and keep him here for a couple years to come. The only thing I'll say about that is that the reason why he was a big reason why he was on the outs. Uh, in Indiana is that they've been talking about an extension for a while and a reportedly a lucrative extension and buddy still was not happy with the number. So he's trying to get paid he this might, summer. So he that's might not what have been happy. See. He might not have been happy with the number in Indiana. Uh, well, okay. We <laughs> listen, I think that we overcomplicate this sometimes where we think about the market and I love the city of Philadelphia. I think everybody should love the city of Philadelphia. I got in a fight the other day talking about Philadelphia versus New York and how New York is absolutely an overrated city where the best part about it is Broadway. And other than that, it's just, it's dirt and street traffic. Listen, like, don't get our mentions killed, please. That's. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Philadelphia has its warts. It's well aware. But the people of Philadelphia are so special. It makes it an incredible place to live. It makes it an incredible place to, you know, whether you are doing your own thing, whether you're raising a family, working, whatever the case may be. It is a wonderful, wonderful city. It's not Miami. It's not L.A. You're not raking in people uh, as free agents just like that. So with that being said, I mean, listen, if money's equal, is he probably – 
picking Philadelphia over Indiana? Yeah, I, I would say probably. Yeah. I, I would say most people not named Larry Bird would. But if, <laughs> but it, if, but if day, we're talking like, about, I get it, I get it. But I feel paid. like he's trying to get money. Like that's yeah. and that's well within his right to to try and get paid. That's what all free agents try to do. Yeah. But I do think ultimately, like. Interesting to see what Nurse does with the play calls and how he gets him involved. Of course, he's going to be oh, for sure. screen, down screens and all that stuff. Yeah, It's going to be good to see them run and actually run and him run to the three-point line and it not be Kelly Oubre shooting that three, but Buddy Hield. And I, I think that's the thing I'm most excited for is the transition three opportunities with Buddy Hield. Yeah. That, that's just such a, a noticeable upgrade and and i'm gonna let you finish but I, I just want to call attention to you talking about the you know working off down screens and everything like that like so let's talk about the seth curry two-man game that you know i call it the seth curry two-man game jj reddick two-man game right. obviously the tyrese maxi two-man game all that stuff the only problem is without joel Embiid, who are you running that with and this is why bringing in a guy like a kelly olenic or i even i was campaigning for a dario sharich you know a big man who can dish the ball a little bit, just not have stone hands would have been so huge so that you can, as they have all season, kind of just spam that. Uh, it, so you overwhelm the opposition, but either way, buddy is opening up a whole new, and, and you talked about Kelly and, and you're right. Uh, a whole new level of the game from deep that the Sixers just didn't have before. Yeah. And I'm interested to see. So, um talked about before it's funny because you talk about stuff and then like somebody else or you know another beat writer or just national people talk about it but i remember talking to a friend about how like you like clearly the sixers are missing melton and, and batum and i said that you know with all the trapping that was going on you you would probably see batum be the screener so that um, if they do trap, you have somebody who can secondary play make or is just yeah. a quick decision person, whether shooting a three, whether it's whatever. And like you can tell they missed that. But until MB, come, I mean, excuse me, until Batum comes back, you can see Buddy Hill running these kind of brush screens, ghost screens with Maxi kind of slipping or popping to the three to Ooh, make okay to, to make defenders choose. Are we going to leave a wide open buddy or are we going to go with Tyrese Maxey? And you take three over two every day. Like if you're the offense with a Buddy Hill shooting it. So it'll be interesting to see what actions they put them to because you absolutely have to do that. That would help Tyrese Maxey tremendously. So I think that they'll definitely be able to use him. They'll have to hide him on defense a little bit, but or a lot of it, but um I think that was like that was a good move. Um, that was definitely yeah. a good move. But um, a move, well, two moves that came after that, and we'll talk about the first one. Um, Daniel House being salary dumped to the Detroit Pistons to then be waived by the Pistons to hit the buyout and sign with a contender of such or whatever the case may be. So that was the next move. That was a move where I felt like Daniel House was in and out of the lineup anyway, and it was an experience when he was on the court. So it's like, whatever. He wasn't playing it often anyway, so whatever. But then we thought that, oh, that must be a precursor to a bigger move. Then the next move that we see is Patrick Beverly being traded, who no one saw coming, to the Milwaukee Bucks for campaign and a second round pick. Milwaukee had been known to be looking for perimeter defense all year. Their perimeter defense is terrible. And for the Sixers, like this came out of nowhere. One for the Sixers to trade him to a rival is a little confusing. But they were trying to recoup, I guess, second round picks and they took advantage of the fact that I guess whoever else Milwaukee was trying to get just wasn't budging. So you take advantage of the situation. But Pat Bev recently here 
he was overextended offensively here because of all the injuries, and he had his moments. But offense was a little bit too much Pat Bevitt sometimes. So I think that in the end, although it took the city by storm and everybody's upset still to this day, I do think that ultimately, and we could talk about campaign and how you feel about the trade, but ultimately I think that if this move was made and Woj was quoted by saying this, that if Kyle Lowry is really bought out by the Charlotte Hornets, that he will bolt right back home to Philly and play for Nick Nurse and the Sixers. If that is truly the case and that truly does happen, Pat Bev may not have played in the playoffs anyway. Because if the guard rotation in the playoffs is Maxi, Melton, Heald, and Lowry, uh, I don't see where Pat Bev may fit in in their plans, I think. So super interesting on that on that front. I, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on about the whole Pat Bev. Yeah. Um it's, it is just as uh, a, a media member who's down there uh, at the games, talking with the players and the coaches after the games, uh, it is a travesty that Patrick Beverly was traded. Uh, I, I understand the idea of getting a second round pick. I think this move in particular was that kind of really signaled the fence sitting that Daryl Morey was doing at this trade deadline of, you know, we may compete, we may not compete. Is Patrick Beverly's play going to make or break whether or not you win a championship? Probably not. So getting a second round pick, bringing in a player like campaign who is, I guess, a better fit for what you want to have in the sense that he's a better ball handler. He's a better shooter. Uh, one thing that, and, and all respect to campaign, I, I can't wait to, you know, meet him, get to talk to him, get to know him a little bit. Patrick Beverly is so special as a leader. Uh, he is uniquely one of a kind. He meant so much to this team. He was so instrumental in the growth of Tyrese Maxey. I think he was instrumental in the growth of Joel Embiid as well. So on the one hand, this is a business. And Pat Bev even talked about on his podcast, he had an emergency podcast of him being traded, which is the most awesomely Pat Bev thing to ever do. Uh, but he spoke about how he spoke to Daryl around, I think this is when they played in Denver specifically. And he asked if he was getting traded. And Daryl said he's not getting traded. Whether, and I, I don't, I, frankly, I don't care if Daryl was lying, if it was true at the time, and then something came up, but whatever. This this is a business. Daryl understands that. Pat Evan understands that. But the one aspect where you have to look behind that this is a business type rule is you have to understand the importance of certain personalities in the locker room. And to lose Marcus Morris, who is another integral veteran in this locker room, just listen to how Nick Nurse spoke about him earlier in the season. Listen to how all the other Sixers have talked about him. You lose Marcus Morris, that's understandable. You bring in a player of Buddy Heald's caliber, you can rationalize that that makes sense. This Patrick Beverly deal, I just can't I, I can't accept it the same way. It just, the value received does not seem to be worth giving up, not only the little bit of perimeter defense that the Sixers still had, and we'll get to how they even got rid of even more perimeter defense after that, but to lose that veteran... I mean, that's it's it's gutting, and even the idea of bringing in Kyle Lowry, yeah, that's that's it's obviously interesting. Uh, you know, he's been a very good player for a long time, obviously, he's in the twilight of his career. But, uh, you know, you have the Philly angle like he did with Marcus Morris, he's got the Nick Nurse connection, uh, he has been a defensively solid guard who is a little bit better with the ball and a little bit better of a shooter than Pat Bev. He's far from the perfect player, and that's why he's expected to be available. So am I ready to accept the Patrick Beverly trade just because Kyle Lowry is potentially going to come to the Sixers following his 
most likely buyout from the Charlotte Hornets? No, I'm frankly not, just because Pat Bev was so important to this locker room in Philadelphia. Uh, there is no other player like him. He was important to the city. The fans absolutely loved him. And you cannot make these decisions solely based on how the fans feel about a certain player. But you have to understand that if a player is this special to the city, well, maybe that doesn't matter to your team, but maybe the fact that the player is that special in general should matter. So uh, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, just talking about what an impact Pat Bev made in his one year. But uh, I, I just, I, I don't see a scenario where short of, Hey, we're just not going to contend this year. And we wanted to give Pat Bev a chance to contend, even though they traded him to, Oh, I can't finish that sentence. I'll get in trouble. Even though he's in Milwaukee and we'll see how competitive they truly are come playoff time, you're at least giving him the opportunity to join a surface level contender. So uh, I I don't love the move. I do think that campaign will bring something that Pat Bev didn't, but I also think that he's going to be lacking in a lot of areas that Pat Bev was, was very strong. Granted, like you said, how many minutes do these guys can be playing in the playoffs? Does this even matter at that point? Maybe, maybe not, but just to lose a leader like that is 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 troubling. Exile playoff and put play in, but anyway, play um, sure play in. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, but it's a possibility. But it is. It frankly uh, is because the team just didn't add enough to Cuomo's concerns. I mean, the, the Cavaliers are one of the hottest teams in the league. The Knicks keep adding players and players and players. The Celtics added players, and they were already the top team of the East. The Bucs are the Bucs. They're still sitting in second for however long that is. The Pacers got better. Like, every, Well, we'll see how not having Buddy Heald affects them. I think that they did feel kind of the loss of Bruce Brown a little bit. I'm and, curious and to see what losing Buddy Heald does to the Indiana Pacers. I think, I think it's going to provide – I think they're going to have to figure it out. And it might not be this year, but I think it could be next year. Nimard more minutes from Benedict Mathur, but those guys aren't the type of gravity yeah. shooters that Buddy Buddy is. But I'll say this. Great as players, we, but yes, they don't draw that yeah. attention from three. And I, I'll say this as we um, – if we want to move on to the next trade, um, I have a perfect analogy for today's trade deadline. So um, and I'll say that now before we go into the next trade. Like you said, like the straddling the fence of this trade deadline, and maybe if there were more opportunities out there, Daryl would have did something different, right? We don't know necessarily. I'm curious to see what other beat writers have or what we hear later on. But I don't know if you or any anybody who, who watches or listens to the pod has watched The Wire, but um, there was an episode of The Wire where um, they talked about, um, Stringer Bell was talking about <laughs> just basically the, everything that was going on. And he said that nobody cared about a 40 degree day. He said, when it's warm out, everybody starts barbecuing, but when it's cold out, everybody be complaining, but nobody cares about a 40 degree day. And that's what today felt like for the Sixers and the Sixers fans. And Darren today was a 40-degree grade. Nobody cares. It didn't get any worse. It didn't get any better, maybe marginally better. But, like, literally, just no nothing. And, and, and nobody's going to care. So that's my analogy. And I'm going to make Zach insert the clip. <laughs> or or I will repost the clip. <laughs> There's 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 uh probably too many expletives for us to actually post that clip <laughs> in that scene, but because uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? Out. Just watch. I know what you're talking about. That's why I'm yeah. saying we can't share the clip on the pod. Uh, <laughs> but definitely check out uh check out the scene. Check out the wire. Just a great show. Uh, um, but but no, you're 100 right. You know, 40 degrees. Um, just it, it's it's middle of the pack. It's just it's it's not even like. What what is more middle than vanilla? Because vanilla is more so even boring, but because uh, people can get peace out of the simplicity. But it's just it's, uh, it yeah, it is what it is. But but to to get to the before we even get to the last trade of the day, or 
I guess we'll talk about the last trade and then we'll get kind of into the mentality of why they made these moves. Uh, so we got to rip off the bandaid. We got to talk about it. The final trade of the day for Philadelphia, they sent Jaden Springer to the Boston Celtics for a second round pick. I'm absolutely disgusted by this trade. I'll be flat honest with you. And, and perhaps I'm speaking a little bit out of emotion and it's not, I like Jaden Springer as a player, as a person. It's not even about that. It's just about the continued poor decisions placed around these young players. And if your mentality is so we, we using that second round pick, we can get a guy on a longer term deal who we can develop and maybe he's a bit more of a well-rounded player than Jaden and whatever the case may be. Jaden was on a very team-friendly deal. Granted, he's not, you know, a starting caliber player at this point in his career, with an elite skill. He he needs to work on his game immensely offensively, but he is a very strong point of attack defender. Something the Sixers just flat out do not have, and they just gifted that to the Boston Celtics for a second-round pick. That is completely irresponsible and that along with the Patrick Beverly trade where you have had have not quite the point of attack defender that Springer is but you're still sending a strong perimeter defender to a contending rival for a second round pick you effect effectively made the same mistake twice Un- it, honestly it's just it's nonsensical if you ask me and, and I get wanting to build towards the future you had opportunity to trade Springer moving forward. You have a guy like KJ Martin, who teams reportedly did value for at least a first round pick, who's not on the books for next year. And I get you want as much cap space as possible, but Jaden Springer's two ish million was not going to be a deal breaker uh, for the drying up well of free agents next year. So uh, Daryl Morey really has to pull off something spectacular in this offseason because right now this this is my grade and and we'll get to your grade you know whenever you want i i give this like a d plus at best bringing in buddy was definitely nice but it just feels like the team is so much worse in so many other areas now it's it's also kind of an incomplete because well i and i guess i'll just get into the analysis of why they did this now and uh, then i'll get your reaction justin a big part of the reason that they did these trades, that they made these trades, was yes to to free up uh, not cap space because you can't just outright sign players for X amount of dollars. That's just not how the league works when you're over the cap. But it opened up space against luxury tax, and it opened up space, uh, you know, in front of the tax apron, which is roughly seven million ahead of the luxury tax. Now, why is that important? Couple different reasons. So let's talk about the luxury tax first. So by resetting the clock on what's known as the repeater tax, <clears throat> which is we 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 can get into the complete ins and outs of it on another pod because we're getting a little long here. Uh, the penalties are so much greater now under the new CBA than they were previously that any chance that you have to reset that timer on the repeater tax. Uh, for a team that's going to have a lot of money committed to just two players on their roster and Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, uh, you're definitely wise to do so, okay? Not not at the risk of no longer being competitive, but there is some clear benefit to that. On top of that, you're saving money off the luxury tax bill, and every team is always happy to save money against the tax. Now let's get to the apron. Any team over the first apron. Now, there's two aprons under the new CBA. That first apron is seven million over the cap, or over the uh, luxury tax, I should say, uh, over the luxury tax threshold. Any team over the apron cannot cannot sign a player who was bought out of their contract when their previous contract was over the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, roughly twelve and a half million. That's players like Kyle Lowry. When Gordon Hayward seemed like he was going to be a buyout candidate, players like Gordon Hayward, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, who's also been mentioned as as a well, actually I think he is getting bought out by by Toronto. Uh, players such as that, 
certain contenders, Milwaukee being one of them, they're unable to pursue these types of players. So you have a great benefit on your side if you are actually able to target these types of players. On top of that, Philadelphia still has their taxpayer mid-level exception available from the offseason, which they never used. Now, they had the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, but now their roster is at the point, or rather their salary structure is at the point, where if they utilize the full non-taxpayer mid-level exception, it would cause them to go into the tax, meaning that you cannot use the non-taxpayer mid-level exception because you have to still remain under the tax after utilizing that exception, and you are then hard-capped when you do. So that being said, they can utilize the taxpayer mid-level exception and still be under the cap so they can pay some of these buyout candidates a bit more utilizing that taxpayer mid-level exception than players would normally get in these buyout situations. So not necessarily signing for vet minimums after being bought out by their teams. So effectively, Philadelphia saved $11.7 million today with all of the moves that they made. And I believe that that puts them roughly $7 million under the luxury tax. More than likely, they're going to try and add one or more players to the buyout market. We've already talked about Kyle Lowry. They have three roster spots open. Do they give one to Cravion Smith or Ricky Council? Possibly, more than likely. They're going to look for three buyout guys on the market. And if they only get two, they only get two and they bring up one of these guys, perhaps. You're going to add those three guys for a less total funds than that $7 million because you're still going to try and end up under the luxury tax to, as many people have called it, ducking the tax. Uh, this is kind of a perfect financial storm where Philadelphia has put themselves in a position to add buyout players, to uh, add these more expensive buyout players who other teams don't have the ability to sign, while also avoiding the repeater tax and avoiding the luxury tax altogether. So uh, financially, this was a very shrewd deadline for the Sixers. That's not what the people are looking for. The people are looking for putting this team in a position to contend. And as much as having Kyle Lowry is great, and I think that he would actually contribute to the Sixers if they do acquire him via buyout, you just are not getting the types of players who are truly going to make a huge impact on the buyout market. People romanticized the year that the Sixers picked up Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova. That is not the case in most years. More than likely, that will not be the case this year. So that's the frustration of the situation. I get why Philadelphia did it. It makes a lot of financial sense. We don't know what the future holds for Joel Embiid. The situation, the situation itself, frankly, just sucks. And still moving on from especially Jaden Springer, who was committed with the team past this year for a very small dollar amount. I I just still can't explain that one. So it's it's a rough deadline for me. I'm very excited to see what Buddy Heal brings to this team. But overall, I I, I do not think that this was uh, the deadline that even Daryl Morey necessarily wanted for the Sixers. It's just not uh it's just not hitting that way. But Justin, what are your thoughts overall from the deadline? I mean, honestly, you said it like great wise, I'm like incomplete. And, and more so that's guess, that, yeah, because well, until we see the buyout guys, yeah, it kind of has to be incomplete. Like right? incomplete, but like also like like I sat there and I said, okay. We traded four players who don't really play often. Jaden Springer was just playing because he needed to play. Injuries. Pat Bev was in a normal rotation. Marcus Morris was in and out of the rotation. Daniel House was in and out of the rotation. Furkan was in and out of the rotation. Is that four or five? Four. I don't know. Can't count. But, like, and then we get Buddy back. And then campaign, whatever. I'm like, what are they really losing? Like perimeter defense from Pat Bad for sure, and Jaden Springer. But Jaden Springer offensively was a no show. He was a very, it was very Matisse. 
I was talking to Sam he, last night about he, that. He, he, he was improving as he actually got playing time, though. I think that's yeah. an important thing to bring up. When you look at the past couple games, it's a very small sample size. He was improving when given the opportunity, and, and that's something that I think should be mentioned. And listen, you can't even – like, and I'm not even mad at like Nurse because Nurse gave him every opportunity to play. What really hurt him was Doc's inability to play anybody under the age of 24. Like he just can't, it just, unless you show star potential, he just won't play you. And that's development, coaching development. But incomplete, we'll wait to see what the buyout is. Then I'll get my final grade. But yeah, it was just like, we got Buddy. It was needed, but eh, whatever for the rest of it. That's how I truly feel. Yeah, honestly, there's, there's not really much more to feel about it. As of yet, uh, so taking a look at some of the other potential buyout candidates, uh, Kyle Lowry, obviously, we've talked about him ad nauseum at this point. Uh, I, I do want to bring up PJ Tucker. PJ is n- not getting bought out by the Clippers. There is, uh, there's no interest of him getting bought out of that contract, at least by PJ. The Clippers, I'm sure, would love to buy him out. He does not want to give up that much money. Uh, he's, he's not getting bought out, he's staying with the Clippers. Spencer Dinwiddie is being bought out. He's been connected to the Sixers. And honestly, it's probably the Mavericks or the Lakers. I would be shocked if it's neither of those two teams. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, we talked about, is already no longer in Detroit. Actually could potentially be kind of a fit for Philadelphia, work a little bit of that uh, George Yang role a slight bit. So give him a little bit of shooting at the, uh, at the forward spot. Uh, on top of that, Joe Harris is a free agent defensively it's just it's a problem for me i don't think that philadelphia should have any interest in him uh daniel house obviously philadelphia traded they cannot bring him back marcus morris senior also traded from philadelphia for a moment it looked like they could bring him back because he was then traded to the san antonio spurs and if a player is traded from team a to team b but then to team b to tc and Team C cuts him, then Team A can re-sign that player that same year. That's the exception to that rule of not being to, uh, able to re-add a player in the same year. Uh, but they made it part of the same trade, so Philadelphia effectively traded more straight to San Antonio, so he cannot come back. Otto Porter Jr. to the Utah Jazz, that's a possibility, but he's kind of been a bit of a shell of him for himself. Uh, the two players who I'm a bit interested by and I, I don't see a scenario unless Andre Drummond approaches the Bulls where he says, buy me out of my contract, let me go join a contender. Which he's more focused on being a starter than a contender. And with Vucevic's iffy starting ability, then I, I think he might be actually happy in Chicago. If that happens, though, and Drummond does demand a buyout, I could see Philadelphia as a landing spot for him. Obviously, just with the previous history, he'd have opportunity to start while Joel Embiid is on the mend. Uh, Just a lot of familiarity with the city. He's had a lot of love for the city, still does to this day. Definitely an interesting fit there. The other guy is DeLon Wright out of Washington. I really expected DeLon Wright to be traded by the deadline. He was not. He's still in Washington. Do they think he's too useful to buy him out of his contract? Possibly. He's in the expiring uh, year of an $8 million deal, roughly. Brings a bit of size, bit of shooting, bit of ball handling, more of a jack of all trades, master of none. If he hits the buyout market, I'm all in. And and the 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 issue with him is that you're competing with those other contenders because he, again, I mentioned he's making about eight and a half, making under that non-taxpayer mid-level exception. So there's more competition for a guy like that. But if Philadelphia has a chance to go after him and they could potentially offer him a little bit more money than some of these other teams, because again. They still have access to their taxpayer mid-level exception. I'm interested in bringing in a guy like DeLon Wright. So you're right. It's absolutely an incomplete grade. We will see what happens going forward to be able to fully grade it. It's it's not a great feeling as excited as I am to see Buddy healed. And that's the other thing. Buddy, again, I think he can rebound from his tough year so far, but it has been a tougher year, and that cannot be overlooked. So uh, incomplete grade for now. We'll see what happens going forward. but. It seems to be a very future-focused trade deadline for the Philadelphia 76ers, and that's frankly disappointing. 
though I'm sure the Joel Embiid injury did trade some of it or did change some of it, I should say. Uh, Justin, any closing thoughts before we wrap up the pod for today? Turk Smith minutes against the Hawks. Can't wait. All of them. Hell, start him. Start him tomorrow I mean, who night. Else? Like that's who else? There's like five bodies on the roster. This is not really anyone else to. Like I mean, look else? at looking at the roster. I do wonder who's going to start because uh, we've already Maxie. received word that Melton Melton's out, Batum's out. Yeah. It's going to be Maxie, uh, they traded half the roster today. Yeah, Tobias Kelly sure. Oubre. Yeah, and I mean, you got KJ Martin. You got Turk Smith, Mo Bamba at the four. Well, Turk is probably going to be the backup point guard. Because the other two ball handlers, huh? Well, so you're probably going to go with with Maxi at the point, Ubre at the two, KJ at the three, and uh, Tobias at the four, and uh, yeah, Paul Reed at the five. I think. I think that's I think that's it. And then your bench is Turk, Turk, Lofton, Ricky Council, and Mo Bamba. Damn. <laughs> well, have fun of the game tomorrow, Justin. I'm sure you're gonna enjoy it. Oh uh, my god! It's against Atlanta's team, though. I I think we're looking at 20 plus points from Turk. I'm just saying. I think he's gonna get an opportunity. I think we're looking at 20 plus minutes from Turk. If I could put him uh, on my and, parlay, I would. Listen, it's it's well, yeah. If they if they had him on the bar later, point for sure. Oh man, this is the dog days of Philadelphia basketball right now. So uh, we'll see if this can turn around. It's it's not going to be a fun stretch. Keep the faith. Joel Embiid will be back at some point. Kyle Lowry, I guess, will be a Sixer at some point. You know, we'll we'll obviously talk about that if it officially happens. Uh, we'll keep you up to date on the latest on the buyout market. Absolutely check out Philly Sports Network to stay up to date on the latest. Our lead writer for the Sixers team, Trey Barnett, absolutely killed it this deadline, keeping you up to date on the latest moves for the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, and one buyout candidate that he brought up to me that I'm interested in potentially, Evan Fournier, he talked about. Traded to the Detroit Pistons in the New York Knicks deal. The Knicks, or or rather the Pistons, we've talked about it a good bit. They want to add that shooting around Cade Cunningham, so I think they may want to keep him. But if he says to them, like, listen, I, I want to give the money. I want to go contend. Hey, come to Philadelphia with your fellow Frenchman Joel Embiid, okay? Fellow Frenchman Nico Batum. Chat it up in French while you're splashing threes from beyond the arc because we need bodies and we need you over 40. So it's... Uh, I think that should be the Sixers' message to them, uh, but it's it's yeah, it's it's going to be a fun few days here while we wait for these players to come in, and then I think there'll be a little bit more excitement once Buddy actually starts playing. Uh, but we got a back to back here. We got Atlanta Friday night, Washington Saturday night. Uh, so you got a back to back with half the roster missing due to injuries or trades. So it's uh, yeah. Cannot think of a, a more exciting way to start the second half of the year, but uh, this is where the Sixers are at. So just know that it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this together. Just remember that myself, Justin, just like all of you guys out there, we're still processing. So just hang in there.